0: Divine justice will give way to divine chastisements, including what some seers say are three days of darkness. Join us now as we continue to break down our timeline on Countdown to the Kingdom. I'm Mark Mallet from thenoword.com and countdown to the kingdom.com. Well, to discuss these rather serious and sobering topics is Professor Daniel O'Connor from Albany, New York. Daniel, welcome back to the show.
1: Hello, Mark. Good to be here. You had a little time off. I hope you enjoyed your vacation.
0: Oh, I did. I was floating in lakes up here in Canada, um, and I made sure my ears were underwater, the phone was turned off, and no, it was wonderful. I really needed that time away because yeah. Um, I, I know that you're... your phone that your phone was turned off. You weren't
1: treated to our uh, our usual barrage of. Uh... Uh, feedback, then, were you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, oh, oh, the interesting feedback. Yeah, we, we were discussing before the show the interesting feedback we've had of, uh, you know, because some of the videos now are, are well over 100,000 on their way to 200,000 views, which we never, you never know what you're going to get with uh, with these videos. But we, we have gotten comments from people and uh, important comments. For instance, people are asking, Daniel, why you are wearing the same jacket on pretty much every webcast.
1: Yeah, that's, I get that, I get that pretty often. And I just want to say, if you're waiting for me to wear something else, just don't hold your breath, because you'll die. I, I've worn the same thing every day for 13 years, so it is not going to change. I, sometimes what's over the Oxford shirt changes, whether a vest or jacket, but it's it's always the same thing.
0: It keeps it simple, yeah. doesn't it? Exactly. Don't want to think about what to wear. No, no. Daniel's <laughs> not a, a fashion guru, and uh, I, I I imagine you've saved a few bucks over the years. But indeed, not only indeed. that, though, some people have commented... Uh, on on other things, uh, somebody wanted you to brush your hair. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I'm not a fat. Yeah, I
1: was um, I was rebuked for not having hairspray. I'm sorry. Sometimes my hair, you know, falls on my face. I I, I don't have hairspray. If you want, I I could take a donations to buy hairspray, or you could mail me some hairspray.
0: I wouldn't use it though. I just give it to my wife. And you, someone said that you shouldn't be rolling up your sleeves, which that's I, oh goodness, I it doesn't and end. And it's it is it's, 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 it's condemned. It's
1: that yeah, it's blasphemy. Yeah, I, the the way I roll up my sleeves, yeah, I was told I was told that's completely wrong. But yes, that's that's nothing. I mean, that's nothing compared to the other. I'm I'm a Freemason apparently. Did you know that I I counted to three once in one of my videos like this. Uh, uh, apparently that means I'm a Freemason. I'm also a Protestant because uh because my cross my my cross behind me doesn't have um a corpus oh, there's on no so corpus Protestant, on no yeah, yeah. crucifix
0: yeah. oh, okay yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Ne- never mind the fact that i basically always have my uh St. Benedict's crucifix, miraculous medal, Marian consecration chain, brown <laughs> scapular, which doesn't even come off in the shower. <laughs> but I was also condemned for having this out. Apparently, I'm not supposed to have my brown scapular out. I don't know. I, so, anyway. Yeah, well, hey, look, but it's not just me. You get some of this no, feedback, I, too, right? Look, no, look,
0: I'm, I I got accused of, you see, my cross here, I got accused of uh, having a satanic cross. They said, why are you wearing an upside-down cross? And I wrote him back and said, no, this is an ancient Jerusalem cross. It's actually equidistant, so you. Equidi- can, yes. It's equidistant. It is not
1: upside. down. And if it were upside down, it would just be a St. Peter's cross. That, that's right. It was,
0: it was that's right. But someone did write something. They were concerned about me. They said, "Mark, Mark, you're talking out of the corner of your mouth," and they said, that, "Are you having a stroke?" And I said, "No, I was trying to imitate." You know what? It's still long. You know, <laughs> hey Adrian, you want to marry me or something? You know, but no, I. I this is just me. Uh, I get it from my mother, who who I love and adore, and. Uh, I guess I'm just imitating my mother, so no, I'm not having a stroke. But I am crazy. So, um, so you're a crazy Satanist, and I'm a Protestant Freemason, but... And we are both oh, well. fools for Christ. And fools talking, for Christ above all. <laughs> talking about what we're about to talk about will pretty much seal the deal uh, for mm-hmm. many people out there. It will. and. We don't mind your comments at all. We're we're, we're saying this in jest, but I mean those are serious things. People actually did write and say those things. Yeah,
1: that that is not made up. We have gotten all of that and much more, <laughs> and much more. We won't we won't turn on about about the rest, but there's plenty more. Yeah. So and, thank you all for that. You know we don't mind it. I, I mean I guess I should I don't mind it. I don't think Mark minds it either. No. You can, uh, y- you that doesn't bother us at all. But you know some things do kind of irk us a little bit. <laughs> So, none of that stuff but um you know moving into something serious here is that it is the scoffers you know you know throw as much mud as you want at me i won't speak for Mark. throw as much mud as you want at me i deserve it i'm a sinner i'm bring it on i i deserve it but you know you better be careful if you're going to go attacking heaven itself as so many of these mainstream Catholic voices in establishment Mm -hmm. uh, Catholic circles are are jumping on today. Just this flippant denial and rejection of the entire prophetic consensus. And this has been spoken of in Scripture as well. You know, look at two Peter. uh, Peter wrote, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand, in the last scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own passions, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? All these voices today saying, how dare you you even suggest that we might be near the end times. How dare you quote heaven's messages as indicating that? People have thought that before and been wrong. Peter in scripture is condemning that that attitude. That's what
0: that's what the scoffers are saying today. Yeah, and we aren't. You know, we're not. You know, we we, we would maybe I would even agree with people who are saying this. If, Daniel, you and I were sitting here giving our opinion on these things. Right. But you and I, for the last what eight webcasts, nine webcasts, have been quoting popes who've been speaking. I've got a list of popes. What is it? Nine, ten, twelve popes, including the recent pope, who are speaking about the times we are, saying that signs of the end are emerging. John Paul II saying the final confrontation is now upon us and we're facing it. Pope Benedict quoting the book of Revelation and relating it to our time several times Pope Francis referred twice to a book on the Antichrist recommending people read it uh, you got Pius the 10th saying that the Antichrist may already be on Earth Leo the 13th saying that the sin of iniquity that sin of lawlessness is is abounding where we're denying the truth and that the you know on and on then these popes are saying yeah. they've been the warning. popes are shouting. They're they, shouting they've been warning they've been shouting as
1: as you wrote so well in that post why aren't the popes shouting well the moral yeah. story is they are and we're not listening we're not listening of the popes, we're not listening to heaven, and yet you try to give heaven a voice and you're condemned as a doom and gloom apocalyptic person. And, you know, one commentator, I don't want to name any names here, but one commentator accused us of giving grand prophecies with details that are troubling, saying that we lack wisdom for for, uh, creating this so-called orthodoxy of apocalypticism out of private revelation, suggesting that the end times are upon us, saying that we are devout but naive. Catholics. As if this is coming from us. It's not.
0: You know, that reminds me of a quote um, on our website, Daniel. Uh, I'd love to look it up, and, you know, uh, while we're getting ready for this, because I don't have it in front of me. But, you know, I'm just thinking of, um, I'll just summarize it from Michael D. O'Brien, who said, you know, if we if we don't have this discussion of the apocalyptic uh, plump, plump see i can't, see i'm having a stroke
1: <laughs> don't have a stroke son, i am
0: having a stroke <laughs> <laughs> no. if we leave this discussion of the apocalyptic elements of our time to those who are, are given to terror or who are subjective who don't follow the church fathers don't follow the papacy and i don't you know i love our evangelical brothers and sisters but many of them have the details wrong they're promoting things like the rapture which is which is nonsense i'm sorry it's you know not a rapture a pre tribulation rapture is nonsense a rapture at the very end of the world is biblical but you know these kinds of things are what what's going on right now in in the realm of of um, the world and in in the in the speak that's going on in the internet in forums and chat rooms and you know honestly Daniel and I I say it with love but I wish it was our bishops mm-hmm. who are the ones who are coming forth and they were sitting here talking now I, you know I praised many there are some priests out there like Father Mark Goring and other priests who are really trying hard to 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 not hide from these issues and to face them front. On, and I, I thank them for that for trying to be good shepherds who don't Amen. ignore, you know what comprises a good portion of the gospels, of the Pauline letters, of the the epistles of Saint Peter and so on. the The idea of the anticipation of Christ and the end times was a theme that was rich in those times. The anticipation of it, the, you know, speaking about d- divine chastisement, warning people to prepare for the coming of the day of the Lord like a thief in the night. I mean right. this was prominent in the writings of scripture, but in our generation, oh, we don't talk about these things. And, you no, know, Daniel no, and I are don't
1: no, why would we talk about those things? We've got committees, you know, we've yeah. we've got plans, we've got you know, we, we've got we've got our, our, our parish restructuring plans to worry about. You know, what the what the mainstream voices in the church are doing today is they're arranging the deck chairs on the Titanic which is all this minutiae that they're obsessed yeah. with, that they that they think private revelation is a distraction from. And we're saying, forget about the deck chairs. Here's a lifeboat. Get, let's get in the lifeboats because the Titanic is going down. And what is the lifeboat? The lifeboat is the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Those are your only refuge. That, that is your only refuge in what's coming. Because all of those safe structures that you have been depending upon thus far,
0: they're going down and we're just being honest about that. Mm -hmm. And look, if you want to call that doom and gloom… on the Seals. Sorry, Daniel, I was going to say our our previous webcast on the Seven Seals, all we did was not only cite the the prophetic words of Sears, which is one thing, but we then accompanied that with with, um, headlines of what's going on in the world. You know, you don't have to be a prophet today, you just have to be able to read the news… Yeah, you just need two eyes. …to be able to see.
1: uh, or, or one eye or, or no eye. you just yeah. you just need an ounce of honesty and you'll realize what's happening. But it, but we still have these these voices condemning us as doom and gloom apocalyptic end times fanatics. Well, these are the academics doing it. right. Oh, yeah, it's it's this incessant drive to be cool in the eyes of the establishment. and, and I say this, you know uh, there's a great quote, Peter Kraft, it's from Peter Kraft. Um What is the it, it was a question, what is the one qualification? to believe the most idiotic ideas that have ever been invented in the history of man and that one qualification is you guessed it a phd (laughs) and i say this as one working on a phd myself so i I know how it works today in that in that whole industry because that's what it is right it's all about trying to look cool in the eyes of the mainstream establishment who, you know, run the fancy conferences and run the elite universities that have sold their souls to the devil. And in the secular world, what you do, what a PhD does to try to be cool is, you know, like, call two plus two equals four white privilege or something like that. But right. in the Catholic world, uh, what you, what, one of the greatest things you can do to be cool as, a, as an academic in the eyes of the establishment is to poo-poo private revelation. You know, that's stuff for overly pious old ladies, maybe, which of course, I mean, that's borderline blasphemy, saying that about heaven's messages. Yes, there are some objectively fearful things coming, but every seer we have on Countdown of the Kingdom, and and we only have a small sampling of the authentic seers out there, all of them are embedding this brutal honesty about what's coming Mm -hmm. in an overarching message of hope and trust and joy and even excitement. So, if you look at these messages and you say, oh, that doesn't give me peace, so I, I can't be anywhere near, you're saying something about yourself more than, more than about these seers. You're right. saying that you don't trust Jesus enough. And if you don't trust Jesus enough, don't blame that on the seers today.
0: Because Jesus himself, when he was asked about the end times, about the signs of the end of the age and the end of the world, he broke away from parables, broke away from storytelling, and he was not remiss to tell them everything he just suddenly said oh right. well what's coming nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom earthquakes famines plagues right. um persecutions you know the abomination so uh, jesus wasn't afraid to talk about these things and so obviously he knew that we needed to hear them in fact he even said right. that remember when i t- these things begin to happen you remember that i told you that is then you can't you won't freak out because I, I warned you and I told yeah. you and I expected yeah, but Mark, you to if, be prepared. If- if if the voices we have
1: in the church today were alive then and listening to our Lord in the Olivet discourse, they would have said, "Oh no, this is this yes. this this isn't making me happy. This isn't giving yeah. me good fuzzy feelings. I'm gonna forget about this. You know, this is false. This is this is inauthentic. Jesus I'm gonna go is doom and gloom. Yeah, geez, doom and gloom. I'm gonna go listen to Joel Austin. He's he's giving <laughs> me peace. <laughs> so, right, right. If, if that's your approach, just don't pretend that you're actually discerning. You've completely subjectivized it, and you're not." going by the church-sanctioned norms of discernment, which we always strive to submit
0: to at Countdown to the King. Amen. Pope Benedict, uh, Emeritus Pope Benedict, formerly Cardinal Ratzinger, was asked at that time, why are you such a pessimist? And he looked at the person and he said, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. And part of the reality of what is coming in the world right now is that we are heading toward a day of divine justice. And this was given to St. Faustina by, by uh, uh, our Lord to her directly. He said, Determined is the day of justice, the day of divine wrath. The angels tremble before it speak to souls about this great mercy while it is still time for granting mercy which is what we're in right now which is why we're doing this webcast we're in a time of mercy and so jesus says let all men recognize my unfathomable mercy it is a sign for the end times and after it will come the day of justice. So what we are doing right now is we are picking up on our timeline at countdown to countdowntothekingdom.com. And you can see on the left of this great storm, which is an analogy of what is coming and has already begun, I believe, on the earth. The seven seals of revelation that deal with economic and social collapse and many of the things we're seeing in the headlines today, followed by the warning in a time of repentance God is going to grant. The day of mercy is what he called... He said to St. Faustina, I think that's a fair application of that prophecy, then comes the day of the Lord, the day of justice. And we're going to talk about in the Era of Peace webcast, which will be after this one, we're pretty excited about that one, Uh, we're going to talk about what the day of the Lord means more. But right now, we are focusing on the period of divine chastisements, which involve the reign of Antichrist, and that culminate in the three days of darkness. And this is different in kind from our earlier webcast on The Seals. We talked
1: about The Seals as mankind basically reaping what he's sown, mm-hmm. what man reaping what he has sown, because it's kind of like God saying, you made your bed, now sleep in it. We've brought these things directly upon ourselves with the wars and the famines and the economic and social collapse and so on and so forth. But that's not all there is to it. It's not just about God saying, You made your bed, now sleep in it. There's also divine justice. Yes, God is our Father. And what does any good father do? He punishes. He does. Don't believe anyone who says that God does not punish, even if that person's address happens to be somewhere in the Vatican City State. God punishes. You know, most of my generation grew up without that. I'm I'm a millennial. Most of my generation grew up with no punishment so and and what's the fruits of that the fruits of that is an entire generation that is completely depressed and anxious and suicidal because we were never stopped in the evil path we were walking on by
0: good proper punishment spare the rod spoil the child It says exactly And uh, I mean, we're not advocating here, of course, beating your children or something stupid like that um, and sinful. But what we're talking about is Hebrews chapter 12. What father who loves his child does not discipline him? But ultimately, when we are talking about these divine chastisements, we, chastisements, we are also speaking about a purification where God is saying, i have to step in and as a father intervene because humanity has reached a point where it's rebellion you will destroy yourselves and so i believe in even in these chastisements daniel god is going to you know try and bring as many people home exactly. to himself as he can But Bear there, with a purpose yeah there is going to be a, a certain sifting if we're talking about the antichrist you're, you know we definitely know in sacred tradition saint john writes about people being marked by this beast, by this antichrist. So, you know, you have to understand there's going to become, as part of this end time period after the eye of the storm, there's going to be A sifting where people are going to choose their camps, as uh, Bishop Sheen would say. You know, people are being divided into two camps, and boy, are they ever today. The divisions that we're seeing right now are all signs of what is coming, of the separation where we. There's no more sitting on the fence, as we said in the previous webcast. You have to choose, and after we've chosen, there will come a point where God will say enough. And Blessed Anna Anna Mary Tyge said, God will send two punishments. One will be in the form of wars, revolutions, and other evils. And frankly, that's what we talked about in the seven seals. That these are man-made things. That everything, you know, the persecution, the social collapse, peace being shattered, war, economic collapse. This is man reaping what he's sowing. But then she says, the other punishment will be sent from heaven. And that's what we're focusing on now in this show, is the divine chastisements that are going to result in the purification of the world in an air of peace. Yes, these are punishments, yes, but they're
1: punishments with a purpose. They are not just God getting ticked off and deciding he needs to punish. No, he has a plan in mind with them. And that's probably the most important thing to keep in mind from this webcast is all these divine chastisements we're going to talk about, especially the three days of darkness, they prove that God is at work. Restoring the world, purifying the world, creating a new world—a collapsing building, as Jesus tells the servant of God Luis Picareta, must be torn down in order for a more, in order for a more beautiful one to be built on the very ruins themselves. So he is up to something here. The three days of darkness, especially that, is universally prophesied in Private Revelation. It's part of the prophetic consensus. It's going to happen, and it proves with its violence and universality that God is building a new world through it and after it. But, you, you know, one more quick point on this idea of God punishing, because I think that some people are still going to be hung up on this. They're still going to right. have a few homilies they heard in the back of their mind, maybe, where they heard the the pastor say, no, God never punishes. That's an Old Testament idea. Right. We're Christians now. Uh, that's a heresy. That's that called the Marcionite heresy. It is a formally condemned heresy of the church. The Marcionite heresy says that the God revealed by the Old Testament is actually different in nature from the God revealed by the New Testament. That the Old Testament revealed a God of wrath and the New Testament reveals a God of compassion. That is a heresy. Look it up if you don't believe me. It's called Marcionism. And it sounds so familiar to you because you've all heard it before in articles or homilies or blog posts or whatever. It is a lie. God never changes it is a one of the highest dogmas of the faith is god's absolute immutability the same god Mm -hmm. that destroyed sodom and gomorrah the same god that destroyed the whole world with the flood is the god you worship in the eucharist is the god that became incarnate in jesus christ is the god that reigns over the church today same exact god is the god hasn't changed
0: let the little children come to me Yes, so, it's all the same God. Those yeah, are not con- his God.
1: justice and his mercy yeah. are not contradictions. They're always in perfect balance, as we've said before. You know, ironic can't forget either.
0: Ironically, it's the people today who are who pr- I think propose that kind of idea that oh, God is love, you know, who are the ones who, in their political correctness, are the most you know, they display this most vociferous spirit of justice whenever Mm -hmm. they see something that they think is unjust and they're ready to pounce on people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe they could stop and just reflect on on themselves and say, (laughs) you know what, if I'm so just, maybe that, and I'm made in God's image, maybe there's Mm -hmm. something to the fact that God is just. But God's justice is so different than ours you know so we, much above ours. We yes. act out of vengeance, we act out of anger, you know kind of a, a reaction and emotion but God's justice is one where the, the scales are no this this is the balance that must be and I am the creator right. of the universe. Let's not perfect forget balance. That. He's the creator of the universe. It is within God's divine right to give life and to take life. And if it suits God's purposes to take a third of the population of the earth through chastisement, then it's God's purposes. And what happens to that one-third who are taken? Well, that's between them and God. And who knows what happens in the We don't despair of
1: their salvation, of course. We always hope and pray for everyone's salvation. Not that all are saved. We know that's not true. But we never make assumptions about who is and is not. So, we never, you know, whoever is going to be killed in the upcoming divine chastisements. Do not assume they're damned. You pray for every. Always assume that everyone who dies goes to purgatory, unless you know they're a martyr or canonized or something, or just always assume they need your prayers and pray for them. That's for another webcast, maybe. But yes, this, these chastisements, th- this divine balance, it, it, we can simply look around the world today, and we can realize why God has perfect balance, which he is. Mm-hmm. He's always perfectly balanced. We can realize that it is theologically impossible for there to not be divine chastisement. It is theologically impossible. If you realize that Marcionism is a heresy, if you realize that God never changes, if you realize that the God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah is the same God that exists today, you will realize that there absolutely, positively must be impending divine chastisements. I'm sorry, but there's no other possible conclusion to arrive at. Shall we discuss why that's so? Are there any other quotes you want to share first? Well,
0: the only thing I'm going to say to set before we get into the real nitty-gritties of this, and and again, Daniel and I, we don't. There's not a single bone in us that takes pleasure in the idea that this might scare or or frighten people. But again, you know, I think of uh, what Saint John said: perfect love casts out all fear, because fear, he said, has to do with judgment. If we're afraid of these things, if we're afraid of what God might bring upon the earth, that says to me that we're not perfect in love. And so the answer to this, the answer to this webcast and to anything that Daniel and I might say that maybe makes you uncomfortable or shakes you Is to go into prayer is to to draw near to him who is love to draw near to god who is who indeed is love but he's also justice but he is love and he is mercy and to get to know christ to pray to draw near to the sacraments to go to confession to let him forgive you and in that relationship the personal relationship with christ that melts away fear to the point and you have to detach from this world detach from your things you remember the sad one the sad rich man who left jesus he was sad because in following christ he felt this was going to be, an, you know, he's going to lose everything. So, there was fear. And I tell you, a lot of people are afraid about what's coming in the world because they don't want to lose their cabin and their boat and the brand new car right. they just saved up for. Exactly. So, and he's offering you so much more than all of that garbage.
1: That's right. But, you have nothing to be afraid of. Yes, these, as we always say, these are objectively <laughs> fearsome things we're talking about, but you dear soul mm-hmm. striving to be a friend of Christ trying there's no difference between doing God's will and trying to do God's will. those are the same thing <laughs> because if you're sincerely trying to do God's will you are doing his will because he can't expect more than the sincere wholehearted attempt. you have nothing to be afraid of if you're trying to be in that right. boat in that ark so f- don't be afraid about what we're about to tell you if yeah. that's who you if if you're not trying if you don't care if you're yeah. flippantly living a life of sin then yeah, you should have a little holy fear to inspire you to get in the ark of the immaculate heart and the sacred heart of Jesus. So, with that being said…
0: In defense, before you go on with that, in defense of God the Father, uh, he said to Louisa Picaretta, Jesus, my justice can bear no more. My will wants to triumph and would want to triumph by means of love in order to establish its kingdom. But man does not want to come to meet this love Therefore, it is necessary to use justice. So, I he just wanted—sorry to, to interrupt you, Daniel, exactly. but I, no, I just wanted to say that because that's the heart of Christ. He even said right. that to Saint Faustina. In the Old Testament, I sent prophets wielding thunderbolts, but now I send you with my love and my mercy. He said, and my love and my mercy is clamoring to be spent, but souls just do not want to take advantage of my mercy, and so here we are now about to discuss mm. what is left, and that is God's justice. And yeah. let's begin why and what would bring God's justice down upon the earth. I, yeah. The, and, and we know from Scripture what
1: does. And, you know, before I say that, though, I'll just thank you for interrupting me. Please do any time, because I'm so glad you brought that up, because I meant to and forgot that Jesus is repeatedly telling the servant of God, Luis Picoretto, and many other seers that this is an absolute last resort. And you can't say that he didn't try Mm -hmm. everything else first. Chastisements are an absolute last resort to save his beloved children from the fires of hell. It is is justice, but it is justice motivated from pure love. Mm -hmm. And as I said, we should not be afraid of what's coming. I'm not sweating because I'm afraid. I'm sweating because there's a heat wave now in Albany and it's almost 100 degrees and I have no air conditioning in my office. So, I'm sweating like a pig right now and I apologize. And I'm you in can send me <laughs> building an igloo, so I don't understand what you're going <laughs> Yeah, you can send me hate mail for sweating after the, uh, uh, I deserve it. But anyway, so there are, we know from scripture, this is not Mark, this is not speculation from Mark right. and I. This actually isn't even just a private revelation. This is a scriptural revelation. It's also sacred, confirmed by sacred tradition that there are four sins, especially, that cry out to God for vengeance. These are the four sins we know from Scripture, that when they become widespread, when they become uh, frequently committed, God's justice will fall down. It is, it is just a matter of time. It, it can't not. And these four sins are, first, the murder of innocence. That's above all the primary sin that cries out to God for justice. We know that right from the fourth chapter of Genesis, chapter four, verse 10, the Lord said to Cain, "The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the earth." So the blood of murdered innocence in the soil of this earth, mm-hmm. quite literally, I'm just, when I say literally, I mean it. There's literally more blood than i can possibly quantify in the soil of our world right now of murdered innocence and every drop of it
0: cries out to god for vengeance john paul ii he said the lord's question what have you done which cain cannot escape is addressed also to the people of today to make them realize the extent and gravity mm-hmm. of the attacks against life which continue to mark human history Whoever attacks human life, he said, in some ways, attacks God himself. So, um, yeah. what a profound statement that, that that is from John Paul II. And we're not taught, it's not just abortion, mind you. You know, here in Canada, euthanasia has been legalized. Uh, they're lowering the age, you know, and they're now permitting it for people who are simply depressed. Uh, as, as Pope Francis rightly said, this is a throwaway culture, and he said it refers also to life that we are just chucking away. Yeah, and
1: it's, it's, it's everywhere. We see even just ho- straight out homicide, just ordinary uh, homicide exploding today. The, uh, by today I mean just these past few months especially. Yeah. But you know, we have the genocide of Christians. We have more Christ- innocent Christians murdered by you know, secular communists or by Islamic terrorists, more Christians murdered than at any time in the history of the church yeah. in, in recent years. And, but yes, abortion is the primary thing here. Where, And and a lot of people won't realize, if I say, if I were to ask you when did abortion begin, most people will think about 1973 with Roe versus Wade. That's not when it started. Looking at a worldwide scale here, abortion was first legalized in 1920, October 1920 by the Bolsheviks in USSR, in the USSR. So we are two months away now from the 100th anniversary of legal abortion. Yes. They did this in ni- in October 1920 in the USSR and guess what it was called? The act that I've got it in my notes here. It was called the act that legalized it was called the decree on women's healthcare. healthcare. Sound familiar? Yeah. And there is a study that that tried to estimate the number of abortions that have happened since that point, since it was legalized in the last 100 years a billion and that study was, is several years old. So at this point, it's been well over a billion innocent children torn from limb to limb and vacuumed out of their mother's wombs. That is what defines our modern era. More innocent bloodshed by orders of magnitude than any point in history. That's not even to mention all the wars right. and the genocides that themselves have completely eclipsed everything in history. Scientists—it It is not possible that. for divine justice to not fall.
0: Scientists have shown that, that uh, even as early as 11 weeks, nerve endings form in the baby. So, by between 11 weeks up to 20 weeks and so on, you've got nerve endings forming. These babies are aborted, they're pulled apart. You know, you know Daniel, you can be thrown in prison for hurting an animal But today, we are literally burning them or pulling them apart in the womb without anesthetic. Not that anesthetic would make it moral. Brothers and sisters, the cry of these babies. Jesus, have mercy on us. I mean, my God. And we're doing it to the tune of 115 to 125,000 babies a day. Anyway, we could go on. And if you, I mean,
1: it's... We need to dedicate ourselves to ending. You know. You know. Remember, this is we talk about divine justice coming, and yes, but we still always have to do our part, fighting for what is right. We need to all be. We need to all be zealous pro-lifers. Do whatever you can to help the pro-life cause, please. Um, But you know, looking at those numbers, we can by that fact alone conclude with absolute certainty that divine justice is around the corner. He is not going to put up with much more than a hundred years of this being legal, which we are going to hit, the anniversary of which we are going to hit in two months. I'm not making a prediction here specifically about dates. I'm just saying, look, you know, zoom out and take a look at what's been happening here. So that's the first thing that cries out to heaven for vengeance. And, um, It's one of so it's one of four. The second sin that we know from scripture with dogmatic certainty cries out to heaven for vengeance, sodomy. Genesis 18 20, where God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah precisely because of the evil of that sin of Sodomy, crying out to heaven for vengeance. But this isn't just the Old Testament. This is also repeated in the New Testament, in the book of Jude, chapter one, verse seven. Uh, Jude says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That specific re- scriptural reference to vengeance means that, yes, this is a specific act of divine justice that's being called down upon
0: the earth. And we want to note too, this isn't, we're not just referring to a certain group of people who are, you know, involved in alternative lifestyles, but this is also because of really the widespread perversion in our generation. Um, you're seeing people who are heterosexual engaging in and exploring, so to speak, and teaching this now to children in schools. This is this is documented yeah, uh, now. It's being taught in schools. The perversion,
1: that uh, sexual perversion, yeah, you know, this Celebrate sin of sodomy can be is, is general uh, sexual perversion, and um, it's you know there's always been perversion of this sort, of course, but never in history have even the most twisted and 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 corrupt governments even considered legally, officially endorsing and blessing sexual perversion and sodomy. Today, we have the vast majority of the Western world throwing parties, celebrating it, legalizing same-sex marriage, and, right. and, and it's just getting more and more twisted by the day, what's going on. And look at what's in front of you on your screen. I mean, that's just one image of thousands we could have put on the screen of the modern West right. celebrating sodomy. The second sin that cries out to God for vengeance.
0: Because it, it attacks the very essence of God's plan, which is, I, you know, he created the heavens and the earth, then he, he created man and woman in his image, and he said, now become one, and go forth and multiply and fill the earth. Well, now it's becoming illegal to even question some of these things. I mean, right? It's
1: rebellion against his first command. Chronological, you know, the first commandment the whole order. in the Ten Commandments. Yes, but if you look at the first chronological commandment, it's be fruitful and multiply in yeah. accordance with our nature as male and female. Yeah. This is a rebellion against God's first chronological commandment to mankind. Right. And it cries out for vengeance. And we still have two more. We'll combine them here because we're running out of time. But the third and the fourth sins that cry out to God for vengeance are defrauding the laborer of his wages and oppression of the poor. We have this in both the Old and the New Testament in in, uh, Exodus. And Deuteronomy, if I recall correctly, God threatening His vengeance upon those who oppress the poor, the widow, the orphan, the laborer, the alien, so on and so forth. The ref, you know, in this, you see refugees here. But also in the New Testament, in James chapter 5, we see Him saying that the labor, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cries to the Lord, uh, to, cries and enters into the ears of the Lord God. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I didn't have the quote correctly in front of me, so I paraphrase that. But this, as you can see, is Old and New Testament, and we see this also more than ever before in history the yeah. oppression of
0: the poor and the defrauding of the labor of his wages. You, you know, the popes, uh, especially the last two popes, Benedict and Francis, have both warned in unequivocal terms about this, this, these hidden financial anonymous powers that are turning men into slaves right now and that risk, uh, you know, fracturing the world. Those are the words of both Benedict and Francis. They were both hitting on both cylinders on this. And this is what we're seeing. It, it is calling down divine justice because great portions of the world, are falling into poverty. The, the, the separation between the upper class and the, the lower classes is, is widening and the middle class is disappearing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I want to go back to that photo that I just had just a moment ago. I mean, this is outrageous that people in the world are eating garbage. The United Nations says that there is enough food on the planet. And this is the UN. Yeah. Enough food on the planet to feel, feed 12 mm-hmm billion people. The oh, idea there's plenty of
1: food. There's, there's more than food. enough food.
0: And the... yet we have millions of children
1: starving because there is no
0: will to actually ensure that the food gets to them. Yeah. And this is outrageous when we have we have the means of, of flying cargo, you know, or sailing cargo ships and flying cargo through aircraft to the rest of the world. But you know, this is the why the evil, you know. And yeah. sometimes we do send aid to countries, but you know what happens? It gets into intercepted by their corrupt dictators who yeah. then take it and sell it and buy arms arms or indulge. And it's in it. a minuscule
1: fraction. I mean, look, actually, it looks like a lot of aid. If you look at the percent of the GDP of the aid that, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, as American, I'll just point it out, America sends, it's, it's very, very low. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, we, we don't care is the thing. We don't, we don't seem to care. You know, we care about whatever stupid thing Elon Musk is inventing next to make commuting between San Francisco and the suburbs faster. Meanwhile, we've got half the world starving and we could easily fix it, and we don't care. We've got these lavish, decadent lifestyles in so much of the West, so many Westerners. And what's that built upon? It's built upon the slave labor of millions, if not billions of people in Asia who are breaking their backs in horrendous working conditions, long hours, who just to scrape by an existence are, are, are engaging in this labor so that we can live these lavish decadent lifestyles
0: in the West Saint paul says in uh in Philippians chapter three verse nineteen he says their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things' Okay, did, uh, what was the third or was that the fourth?
1: That's both, I, I combine the third okay, and the fourth because they're similar just for the sake of time here. But, you know, it's, and there's so much more, you know, above all, maybe mm-hmm. communism. This is the ultimate defrauding the laborer of his wages, yep. communism. Which we are now about, which we just hit the hundred-year anniversary of existing, you know, uh, as an actual structure in the world. Today, we've got well over a billion people suffering under communism, many being sent into literal concentration camps in China if they don't toe the official Communist Party line. Um, We've got the, and this it's spreading. Communism by name is huge, but also communism by the name of socialism is now spreading. Whether you call it full-blown socialism or democratic socialism, it is also defrauding the labor of his wages. That is becoming rampant uh, with, along with it, our civil, religious, economic rights disappearing. And even in the West itself, we've got the vast majority of the wealth owned by uh, a tiny minuscule fraction of the population that makes all the decisions and they'll gladly throw a few scraps to the poor as to you know sanctimoniously to make themselves look charitable you know they make all these statements about how they're going to give up their wealth and it never actually happens they remain uh, unbelievably filthy rich and i'm not going all up bernie sanders on you here by the way I'm, I'm a big fan of capitalism rightly understood but the point is here the the insanely filthy rich tiny percentage will gladly throw a few scraps to the poor as long as the prevailing unjust economic system built upon financial speculation and usury and exploitation of laborers, as long as they can keep that in place, which is kept in place.
0: Right. And we, we just want to note too, that several seers from father Stefano Gobi to Luz de Maria, um, other seers uh, have written uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen was a prophet in this regard of that communism would return and we are seeing it in real time coming you know, that's almost a whole new webcast, but I'm telling you, it's communism, global communism, will also be an element that will unleash God's justice because it, Absolutely. it involves the entire slavery of the planet. Okay, two other things I want to touch on before we go to the three days of darkness, because so many people have asked us about the three days of darkness. But I think there are a couple other things we want to mention that are also calling down divine justice that we can't ignore. And that is the genetic manipulation of the human DNA. This is serious what's going on. We are acting as if we are God in the most serious way, which is playing with our our DNA. Uh, You're seeing things such as Uh, Cloning happening right now, and you better believe that they are working on these technologies right now on humans testing them on humans behind the scenes and I've I've read a couple of news stories about this and yeah there are voices in the scientific community coming out and saying oh well that's unethical but you know what what's unethical yesterday is now ethical today because there's no rules anymore the reason is Mm -hmm. we have denied God which means we have denied moral absolutes and moral relativism meaning whatever you believe is relatively true to you is, is true and whatever's relatively true to me is true that's the rule of the day so don't be surprised that we are now seeing this kind of aberration yeah, and
1: it, this trend is the transhumanist movement and this is going to be i i think my speculation a big part of the apparent solution to our problems right. that the antichrist offers us yeah. breaking free from the shackles of human nature itself which is rebellion against God as he designed
0: us. And ultimately, when you lose that value and the the sense of the dignity of the human being that we're made in the image of God, and we have, we're living in a generation that that has been taught we evolved from dust and dirt and apes into Mm -hmm. who we are. So, we're just random particles of the universe. So, therefore, this makes sense, what you see on your screen, human trafficking, because if, if we're just random particles, then the powerful should be able to just dominate the weak. Because that's just part of the Darwinian, right. uh, you know, kind of uh, approach to things. That's part of the whole evolutionary thing that the strong mm-hmm. eliminate the weak. But right. this is a crime that we are seeing. Yeah. I think it's one million people being brought into slavery every every year. I think there's forty million people right now. On, yeah, the on slave trade is bigger trafficked. today than
1: it ever has been in
0: history. We we think slavery is over. Far from it. It's worse than it's ever been before. And going back to the beginning of our webcast, when we talked about how the popes are relating and telling us they're the ones really blowing the loudest trumpet on the end times, Pope Benedict talked about this very thing. He said the book of Revelation includes among the great sins of Babylon, which is a symbol of the world's great irreligious cities, the fact that it trades with bodies and souls and treats them as commodities. That's go to Revelation eighteen 13. You'll read it right there. You know, how can we not say these scriptures are being fulfilled in real time? Because nothing like – we've always had slavery in human history, but nothing like this. And let's not forget the sin of pornography. And no, I'm not going to put a picture up. Thank you. But pornography is enslaving people young women and and their souls thats body that is
1: the destruction no yeah if i'm recalling the quote correctly john paul ii said with great irony but but it was a paradox but a a fitting one that the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much but that it shows too little Mm. because by by refusing to be modest you reduce yourself to a piece of meat and yet you're made in the image of god so this is such an utter sacrilege against the human person, which is also a sacrilege against God. And look, guys, we could go on for so long about this, but long story short, you know, the, the the moral of the story here is you don't even need any private revelation to realize that if you just look at what scripture says, calls down the justice of God. And if you just take a quick look at the world around you, you will, as I said before, if you have Any honesty and reason left in your mind, you will conclude that it is theologically impossible for divine justice to not fall down very soon.
0: Now on our timeline at countdown to the kingdom uh, you see that we we have divine chastisements following you know the this eye of the storm this the warning the illumination of conscience this reign of the antichrist we, we've explained in our previous webcast why the reign of the Antichrist precedes the era of peace. And it only makes sense, this prophecy, the three days of darkness, would then precede almost immediately before the era of peace. And we're going to explain this now as to why. But you know, I almost didn't want to put this on the timeline, Daniel, when we were putting together the website because there is so much sensationalism about the three days of darkness. People are absolutely obsessed with it. So, before we, we even talk about it, why don't you read for us from some of the private revelations out there what the three days of darkness is and then we can get into, in our last eight minutes here, what the details are.
1: Yeah, so we're just about out of time but maybe it's fitting because we don't want to dwell on this. No. We're, we're acknowledging it, we don't want to dwell on it. It. The three days of darkness, let me put it in a nutshell, is well, three days of absolute darkness over the earth, where all of hell is unleashed upon the earth. The point is, when you realize that this has begun, everything will be pitch black. The sun will not give its light, the moon, the stars, there will be, the, the seers have said, poisonous gases will even invade the whole earth. You stay in your house and you pray nonstop for three days. The entire earth will be filled with demons, and this will be God's permissive will. He will allow these demons to wreak havoc upon the earth and take to hell with them those who absolutely refuse to have any part in God, because there will be no room left for them on the face of the earth during the era of
0: peace. They will need to be purged from the face of the planet. And people might say, well, why would God allow this? Hey, folks, we're the ones allowing demons right now to come into the world. It's we who give the, Weird, the Satan right. the legal grounds when we commit abortion, when we commit these crimes, when we do we commit war. You know, I remember General Delaire at Rwanda. Remember, he said he said, "There's he sh- no
1: demons left in hell." Yeah, no demons
0: left in hell. He said, "I even <laughs> shook said hands that there. with the devil because mm. we are the ones unleashing Satan." So the three days of darkness. I this is my personal opinion, but I think this is. Not so much that that uh, God is unleashing these demons. We've unleashed them through the reign of the Antichrist, through through following and, yeah, them. and he'll
1: stop restraining them. Right,
0: he'll stop restraining them, and this yeah. will culminate in both demons and people who have taken the mark of the beast, who have rejected God, in being um, basically uh, th- this time, this purification, this purge uh, that's going to happen upon the earth. Um, yeah, a total purge, and look, some seers have
1: even seen images of demons swallowing up the entire foundations of buildings that were not to, that god 's will did not want to exist right. on the face of the planet during the air. This is going to be a complete a utter purge. worldwide renovation. Most of the people on the face of the planet will die, probably we do not despair of their salvation, of course, but yes, we acknowledge that that seems to be what the seers are saying now. <laughs> Do
0: not Let me just go to the scripture for a sec, Zechariah, yeah. he says, two thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive." Now, you know, we don't know, is he referring just to the people of God, the whole planet? But he says, but the scripture says, "...God says, I will put this third into the fire, and refine them as one refined silver, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God." That's the air of peace. When we will walk, spiritually speaking, with our Lord in such closeness, in such a new holiness and unity. But in order to arrive at this, this, this moment of the divine kingdom reigning on earth, all that's opposed to the divine will has to be taken from be the perched. earth. Right.
1: And that's what all the seers are saying. They're saying this is not arbitrary. This is a fact. You know, this is the prophetic consensus. This is so universally prophesied, we know it's going to happen. And yet, this is, God is not arbitrary. He's not going to allow this this worldwide upheaval if three days after the three days of darkness, He was just going to end the world and come in His final physical coming. That would make absolutely no sense. That would make the whole three days of darkness completely arbitrary. No. This universal purification exists to prepare the grounds for the reign of the divine will on earth. That's what all the seers are saying. We have so many seers that have spoken of the three days of darkness. Mm. We have the uh, the messages to Luce de Maria and the ones that bear the imprimatur speaking of the three days of darkness. Padre Pio prophesied the three days of darkness. There's debate about that. I don't want to foray into the details of that debate, but it seems likely that he did. Blessed Elizabeth Canora Mo- Canori Mora prophesied the three days of darkness and said that afterward, a beautiful splendor came over the earth to announce the reconciliation of God with mankind. Boy, what does that sound like? Sounds like the Our Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kind of like an undoing of the effects of the fall, almost, a Mm -hmm. reconciliation of God with man. Um, We have Sister Marie of Jesus Crucified. Say, speaking of it, we have, of course, blessed the Italian mystic, Blessed Anna Maria Taigi. Pedro Regis, who enjoys the support of his bishop, was told of the three days of darkness. Our Lady told him, have a blessed candle on hand. Only a blessed candle, blessed by a priest, will give light during the three days of darkness. So, that's important to have a blessed candle on hand. But maybe this is a good lead into our last point, which is don't stress about all those details. Sure, have a blessed candle, but then stop worrying. You don't need to get 500 rolls of duct tape so you can tape all your windows up correctly so that the demon gases can't get in. Like. <laughs> people are going crazy no, trying to prepare for the three days of darkness they really
0: are in fact when you were talking about that daniel i was actually just doing some surfing here just to see what i could get i just noticed Yeah, that, make
1: sure you get the what 72 hour one if you, know you get a 70 hour one it won't go for
0: three days that's you're, right you're, On just, Amazon, you're condemned right? Right in the middle of his Amazon, you got the eighty-hour vertical candle uh, that you can get, so that'll cover you for the seventy-two hours. But yeah. you know, on the just right, don't side don't click there, on the wrong one there. That's yeah. right. Yeah, they get the twelve-hour beeswax. Yeah, don't click on those, even if it's three.
1: That's, that only adds up to thirty-six. That's hours. Right, so that's right. That it's a
0: three-pack, <laughs> so make sure you add three in the quantity in your carts because you know, and then you want to be tend to that because if it ends up burning up quicker than you thought and you hit seventy-one hours, well, fine. Yeah, folks. then you're just going to hell. Yeah, you're just going for, to get, just lose all, to abandon all hope. You're going to be drained. you don't have a seventy-two-hour beeswax candle 100% not 99% you know so. no it, it, this is serious because you know because a lot of people are getting so preoccupied with the 3 days of darkness and getting into superstition you're getting right. into superstition mm-hmm. you know you got to tape your windows and close your door you know some of that i we don't all okay let me just put it this way if god has brought you and your family through the times of trial through the times of the antichrist He's preserved you, perhaps even in a refuge, and you get to the final moments before the air of peace, the three days of darkness, and all of a sudden, it's like, dang, I forgot, forgot to, to duct tape the, duct corner, tape the window. corner window, oh. And, oh, my gosh, you know, the it's a paraffin candle, not beeswax, <laughs> that I got blessed. God's, you can just imagine Jesus appearing in the room saying, you know what, sorry about that. You know, yeah. I, you know, you know I was going to take you into the air peace and yeah. multiply you, and hmm. but uh, no, you're toast. You're done. So anyway <laughs> folks, let it go. Stop it. it go. Stop right. this obsession with the three days of darkness. It's a prophecy. I believe there's biblical precedent for it, you know, that Moses stretched forth his hands, There was three days of darkness in Egypt before God released his people, right? Set them free. But it's also
1: not going to, it's also not, like, a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's going to be tomorrow. No, this is, look at a time, a lot of things have to happen before the three days of darkness, especially the warning, which is going to give us great wisdom and discernment to know, to be able to deal with what's coming. And, you know, uh, uh, Luz de Maria was told by Our Lady, she said, there's so many who talk about the three days of darkness, they panic, they stock up on candles, which they take to be blessed. And the more candles they have on hand, the better. It's our lady's <laughs> words. She's kind of joking about it because people are being ridiculous yes, about this. Yeah. You need to trust in our Lord. Own his sacred heart, the immaculate heart of his mother. They're your only real
0: refuge. All the other stuff
1: is minutiae. Focus sure. on that. You are all set.
0: Is God going to purify the earth, you know, three days of darkness and just end it all? No, he's not. He's gonna bring about an era of peace. Father Charles Armignon, who wrote a beautiful book about the end times, he says, Is it really credible that the day when all people will be united in this long sought harmony will be the one when the heavens shall pass away with great violence? That the period when the church militant enters her fullness will coincide with that of the final catastrophe? Would Christ course the church to be born again in all her glory and splendor of her beauty only to dry up forthwith the springs of her youth and her inexhaustible fecundity? No, the most authoritative view and the one that appears to be in most harmony with Holy Scripture is that after the fall of the Antichrist the Catholic Church will once again enter upon a period of prosperity and triumph.